While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Yesterday I was just sitting around feeling terrible, and now today I have to do all the stuff I wanted to do yesterday and all the stuff I wanted to do today. Yeah, that's And I have one hour less to do it in. I'm just going to blame every deadline I miss between now and April on that hour that I lost. It sounds about right. That was the hour where you were going to get your stuff together. Mm-hmm. It's the hour where you were going to sort things out. That was it. How dare and the I government... How dare the government rob you of that hour? I think that Obama is using daylight savings to steal time from us, like that movie with Justin Timberlake. And he's going to live forever. What movie with Justin Timberlake? The one where he was injecting time into his arm. Do you remember that? There were previews for that. Butterfly defense? No, no, no. I don't. (laughs) I think it was called, like, In Time. or It wasn't called Just In Time, because that would have been perfect. That would have been awesome. I would have gone and seen a movie called Justin Time with Justin Timberlake in it. But yeah, it was one where all the rich people had all the time and he was out to break the system. I don't know what happened. I didn't see it. Daylight Savings Time makes me realize how terrible I am because like in the fall... Uh-huh. You gain that hour and you're like ha 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 and you feel like you're scamming the universe and you got you have an extra hour and it makes you feel like you can stay up all night. Yep. And then in the spring they take the hour away and I'm like this is the worst thing ever. <laughs> I like, I resent it so much and I've totally forgotten about that hour that I got back in the that fall. That you have sconded with in the fall. Like they'll gi- they'll give it back to me in 6 months. But between now and then, just like, what am I supposed to do? No, it's you don't see it as this like giving and returning process. You are no, seeing it like, as a stealing and then more stealing process. <laughs> in October, I am given what is owed to me, <laughs> and then in in March, they take something that is that belongs to me. <laughs> Welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. And my name is Andrew. And I am relatively in support of Daylight Savings Time. What is What even does that mean? I like... Relative to what? Relative to not feeling like a time traveler twice a year. Okay. I'm kind of into that. I'm kind of into People, time Susanna, travel. Susanna likes the light. She likes to get the light. That's a, that, I don't know what that... Out of context, that trade-off. sentence is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. No, I mean like... She's not a plant, Andrew. No, that's... I'm not saying she needs it to live. She just likes it to be light an hour later than it is, even though we have to cheat to make it seem like that's what's happening. Doesn't she get up really early anyway? So, like, isn't yeah. she... Mac- She's getting all the sun. Yeah. All right. Maybe she is a plant. And I roll out about at nine to start, like, my work-from-home tech reporting job. So, I don't... Like, maybe I don't... 
like there have been times when you've asked me what the weather is like and I need to like go to a window and look outside because I just have no idea. You have an oh you have a window in your office. Yeah, but we live on the ground floor, so I don't want to leave it open. Everybody can see me in my bathrobe writing about iPhones. Uh, like, you in your bathrobe surrounded by phones. Just yeah, smoking a cigar and well, especially since well, when back back when we got broken into. Okay, fair. There was some discussion of getting some window tint stuff yes. and just covering the inside of the windows with it. I think maybe if I did that and people couldn't see in, I would feel a little better. About then it would be hard. Then so. you would just think it was dusk out all the time. So maybe that's maybe that's like a home improvement project I can I can undertake at some point. All right, that sounds fair. Um, but let's keep on this time travel, John. What book did you read this week? Uh, this week I read Replay by Ken Grimwood, which was recommended to me by uh, my friend Kyle, who I work with. Cool. Shout out to Kyle. Because, yeah, we were you're sad about Harold Ramis dying because oh, Harold yeah. Ramis uh, wrote, uh, did he write and direct Groundhog Day? I don't know if he directed it. Uh, I do know that he wrote it. Um, um, I can't help you. I didn't look that up. But yeah, like it's... It's really subtly like a a really fun movie to watch every year, and I like it a lot. Yeah, I always find myself rediscovering how much I love Groundhog Day. <laughs> he did direct okay. it. He directed it. He co-wrote the screenplay with Danny Rubin, and he co-produced it with Trevor Albert. So, yeah. Okay. So, he died in February, and I was we were talking about how sad it was. And he recommended this book because the it's thematically similar. And I guess I don't know if it's just because they are thematically similar or what, but there has been like it's been insinuated that Groundhog Day was inspired by this. Or, yeah, what I've read was that it was the very least it was a touchstone as you start exploring this idea in the, right. in the way that it's like, oh, you're going to write about this sort of thing. Someone in the in the room probably was like, "Have you read that book? That was pretty good." <laughs> That's kind of like this thing that it's kind of like this thing that you're pitching because no ideas are new. You should probably check it out. Yeah. So, Groundhog Day was 1993. Um, Replay is 1986, and um, there was another short story with kind of a similar-ish premise called 12:01 p.m which um, came out in 1973. I don't really know a lot about about that predecessor. I'm story, trying to think but. if there's anything else. I mean, more recently, there's a book by Stephen King. Uh, of course there called is. Called 112263, which is about a guy who goes back in time uh, and tries to stop the Kennedy assassination. Um Laura read that. She really liked it. So it's probably a book that I should read for the show at some now, point. Now, does he just go back in time the one time? I think I think he doesn't mean to go back. And he like it's he John Malkovich is like through a hole. Like he he crawls through a hole somewhere and ends up back in time or something. He like quantum that. leaps he, back in he's time. Not, I don't think he quantum leaps. I don't think he goes into someone else's body. <laughs> uh, but he does go back there and then realizes where he is and what he might be able to do. Um, yeah. So. Do you want to talk about how this book handles time travel? Do you want to talk where do you, where do you want to start with this book? Yeah, like I'll I'll start with the with the basic rules, I guess, of the of the universe. Sounds good. So there's there's this guy Jeff Winston and he's our he's our protagonist. And he dies in October 1988. Spoiler. Of a heart attack. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> it is literally the first line in the book as he dies. <laughs> Okay. So okay. I've spoiled it, but if you're going to be upset about it, then turn this off. I, I don't know. Get out You've of got here. other problems. Okay. I don't I don't want to spoil the ending. Okay. Cuz it was a really like I can't even describe to you how how much I enjoyed reading this book after reading 50 Shades oh. of Grey for last week. <laughs> well, do you, okay, we'll have to talk about whether or not that's an issue of contrast or p- actual enjoyment, but <laughs> I guess nothing happens in a vacuum anyway, so yeah, it, it just heightened my enjoyment of of a good book. Okay, so the dude's dead. So Ken's dead. So Jeff Winston oh, dies, dead. and he yeah, and he like wakes up basically, and it's 1963, and he's still in college. Okay, and um, so he's gone back in time 25 years, but he still retains all of his memories, and also like even more importantly, I guess he doesn't. Like he's in college, but it's not like he suddenly remembers everything that he was doing or like the specific test that he needs to go and take like the next day or anything like he's that. He's still himself, it's, basically. Yeah, it's okay. like what if you and I woke up in high school and we probably would have some general idea of where we were in time, but we'd probably miss all of our homework assignments for, for a while. Well, let's <laughs> be honest. I probably wasn't doing my homework assignments No, anyway. yeah. I mean, half the half the books we read for this show are ones that you have because you were supposed to be reading them in high school. <laughs> Well, and then if I did read them, I would change the course of history and this podcast wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. So he's jumped back in time 25 years. And um, before we get into what he does, basically every, like every, he starts calling them replays, which is of course where the, where the book okay. is title. But every time he goes forward to that exact date in October 1988 and he dies of a heart attack and then he goes back in time again. So he always makes it that far. Yes. Okay. But he can never make it further than that. Like at the end of, I want to say it's the end of his second replay. He is like, you know, he's done this twice now. Okay. And so he's in the hospital and even though nobody sees anything wrong with him and they think he's being stupid, they have him hooked up to all these, you know, all this equipment and stuff, but he still dies anyway. Hmm. It's like that sequence in Groundhog Day where Bill Murray's trying to save the homeless guy. Oh, yeah. And he keeps dying every day no matter what he does. Yeah. So um, so th- that's the basic premise. premise. And then he doesn't go back 25 years every time. Oh, okay. Like it, it starts very slowly, but gradually he starts coming back later and later. So, like, the first couple times it's within a few days of, you know, of him waking up in college in 1963, and then he starts waking up in the 70s, and then he starts waking up in the 80s, and and um, he assumes that, you know, eventually he's going to catch up, and then and that at that point he'll actually die. Weird. Yeah. So, okay, if you went back in time and you had foreknowledge of events... Like, what is the first thing that you would think to do with all of your all of your knowledge about the future and how it plays out? How far back am I going? Like last week? Does, well, I mean, imagine you're like 40 and you go back 25 years or something. Well, I guess the the stereotypical thing, right, would be to reach out to people that you messed up with, right? Well, 
there is some of that. Be more selfish, though. Oh, so I'm gonna like gamble. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so rather than go through college and just re and try and reconstruct the life that he played before, well, that's boring. He, I already lived that life. Yeah, like he immediately gathers every bit of money he can possibly gather. And he bets it all on the Kentucky Derby because that's like he he remembers the results of the 1963. Kentucky oh, I don't. Re- I need to start. I need to start memorizing derbies. I know. Well, like you would be set because he makes his biggest pot of money betting on the World Series. Okay. So I think you would be okay. <sighs> yeah. If you did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. I I found it really interesting because I I think they did capture what it would be like to go back that far like he doesn't remember a lot of exact things that happens but he remembers like trends and stuff oh interesting okay and so he you know he takes the money that he wins from gambling and starts investing it like he knows that cars are going to start getting smaller and like technology is going to be a thing and he gives steve jobs and steve wozniak the money they need to start apple no he doesn't yeah he does (sighs) What other famous people does he get involved with? <laughs> he tries to prevent the Kennedy assassination his first time. Really? Because he's he's feeling kind of drunk on power and feeling like he can control everything. Okay. So he goes down to Texas. He drops in a mailbox like a few blocks down from Lee Harvey Oswald's house. He drops a letter like a death threat to the president. Weird. In the mailbox. And so they hold Lee Harvey Oswald and then some other guy shoots Kennedy. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. And then everything like even up to Jack Ruby shooting the other guy. Like it's it's all the same. Weird. So it's like (laughs) it subtly implies that that Oswald wasn't working alone. And it doesn't like go. It doesn't become like a thing where he tries to figure out the Kennedy assassination after that. But it does give him some idea of like. You know, one person can change things in a small way, but they have trouble doing it on like a global. Scale. Yeah, I was gonna say that like drastically alters the course of. History. I was gonna say that this the main thematic concern of a lot of time travel stuff is whether or not you can change either the future or the past. Where does this book kind of take that? And you can you can further summarize as you need to to kind of talk about that i mean it varies from replay to replay right okay so um like the first time he starts this big investment company and makes a lot of money and gets into another marriage he's not very happy in. like his first marriage they couldn't conceive okay and then they never like worked out their feelings about it and so they're really bitter and resentful and so he gets married to somebody who's like not great but they have a daughter together and um and he like really enjoys parenthood and then he dies and then he goes back and it's like his daughter never existed but he still has like 13 years of of memories i realize this isn't exactly answering your question but i'll get around to you know th- th- this is kind of what i was hoping for yeah like he's and he feels really bad because like this is a life that he created and he killed her in a way like not only is she not around, but if he doesn't do everything exactly the same way, like she'll never come to be anyway. Oh, weird. 
So you get a lot of changes like that on a personal level. Okay. And then in his, I think in his third replay, um, he's he's been through a couple times. He's he's really like feeling really like this is the part of Groundhog Day where Bill Murray is trying to kill himself. Over yeah, he's over. a little despondent and confused and, about it. And he's like, what is the point of any of this? Like, He never gets to the point where he tries to kill himself. And that's the one avenue that the book doesn't explore is like what would happen if he killed himself so he didn't die, you know, at the appointed time or whatever. Do any of his replays end early without any spoilers? No. Okay. No. Because that, that's a that's an interesting... It's always the exact time. Like, he's even... In one of them, he's even in a plane crash. Basically, like, one of the one of the wings blows off. Oh, my God. But he survives because he's not supposed to die then. Well, yeah, like, everybody on the plane survives, but... Um, but yeah, he never he never goes before before that day, before that exact moment in October 1988. Interesting. All right, so in the third replay, he's been through it a couple times. He's been through it a couple times and he like he becomes kind of a hermit and he's like work he's working the land and he's just, you know, living this life of solitude and he goes into town for some supplies and he sees this poster for this movie called Starsea that's um directed by Steven Spielberg and this, and written by George Lucas what but it's all like years before either of those two people would have risen to prominence normally okay and he's like this is weird this is this did not happen before like i've never heard of this movie before but everybody's talking about it oh so okay he he tracks down the person who like funded it, the person who created it, and he starts grilling her. And he's like, "Well, Star Wars doesn't come out for another two years, and what about Close Encounters of the Third Kind?" And goes through all these, and then he, you know, she, he, and she. Her name is Pamela. Um, both realize that they are both doing this. They are both replaying. Oh, and so he's found another person. Okay. Um, what's her deal her deal is um she was i don't know she was like an artist and mother in another life and she dies like seven minutes after him in 1988 okay and she is about one replay ahead of him oh she is at the point where they meet they have done you know she's done one more time than he has okay um long story short they of course get romantically involved they spend um, their first full replay together trying to find other people who are doing it. Oh, how do they do that? Uh, they put a really weird ad <laughs> in a bunch of newspapers and magazines <laughs> saying, do you remember Do you remember Watergate? Do you remember like Lady Di? Do you remember all this stuff? All this stuff that, that hasn't happened like, yet? Yeah, okay. and like being and, and anybody who didn't know what was going on would see it and just think it was nonsense. Okay. And they do get, I mean, they get a lot of letters that just have money in them because people assume it's a contest. Yes, of course. But they do meet one other guy and he is, he was like a wino in a previous life and he has mental problems and he's a serial killer. Oh no. And he just goes through all of his replays killing people. What? That's terrible. So that's a bummer. Oh my god! And then their next full replay together, they decide to go public with it. What? And they put out this. They put out this other ad that's like that predicts a bunch of future events and like the exact date and time that they will happen. 
And a year after that ad comes out, they have a press conference where it's like, okay, here's how we know all this stuff. It's because we're from the future. <laughs> what? And then someone from the U.S. government comes and starts asking them questions. And they so drastically alter the course of world history that basically the United States is on track to become like a dictatorship. Oh, no. Um. Like, I think Reagan is in his, like, third term in office or something. Like, it's it's just really, like, it's really bleak and dystopian and stuff. And and so that that is the long way of answering your question. Like, they, they can, like, by the time they get to the end of that replay, they've altered things so drastically that they don't know what's, they have no idea what's going to happen anymore. Interesting. So that's, like, the biggest global change that they made. Okay. All right. While they're doing all this stuff. Um, th- so that that's like the big stuff. Like I don't I don't there are a lot of there are a lot of other things I could say, but I don't know how much I could give away without like ruining the ending for people, because the I was really, you know, you get really engrossed in this book, especially if you don't know what's going to happen because you don't know like the. The rules, specific rules of of the universe, and it, and like Groundhog Day, there is never a scene where some entity describes to them what's going on and why. Like there is no why. I think that's why most kind of most time travel stuff holds up because the rules are always fuzzy because it's not real. Because <laughs> if yeah. the rules were, if there were legit rules to it, it would it would exist. Um. And so you're always kind of futzing with the rules so that it fits whatever your story is about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it always helps, it seems, to have your character not really know the rules or like yeah. the, or the characters trying to break them. Like I didn't see that. Uh, there's a movie that came out even a couple months ago where it was in the expanding genre of Rachel McAdams romantic time travel movies. <laughs> what? How many of those are there? At least two. (laughs) I think maybe three. Um, And this one was like a guy. She starts dating this guy and he's like a time traveler. That's just his part of his genetic code is that he can travel in time or something. Oh, I think I saw ads for this and I thought it kind of looked. I heard heard it was decent as as far as Rachel McAdams time travel romantic movies go. Okay. Uh, That's like the Netflix Rank the Rachel McAdams time travel movies in order for me. Please. I don't know if I can, but the time traveler's wife is based on a book, so I'll give it more credit. Um, this is going to be a good box set. Yeah, it, is what you're it really is. I don't know if you know this, but Mean Girls is a time travel movie. Um, <laughs> but that one seems that one from at least the previews anyway seems to be like you know you start abiding by the rules, but then you wish that you could break them because love. You know, it's like. That kind of thing. Yeah. And and in Groundhog Day and here, there are no explicit rules. And so even though, I mean, early on, they kind of think, okay, I've got unlimited time and the choices I make matter, but not in the long run. Yeah. Um, And so they don't, you know, they don't know if they're going to die at the end of it. They They don't know if they can get out of it. Like they just they don't 
like when they go public their their hope is to reach out to some scientists who can figure out what's going on and that just never happens like of course the government comes and exploits their knowledge for its own benefit oh of course so, of course of course it does um, <laughs> the government one thing i thought was interesting was the point in time that that they're replaying because if you did the same book now like if somebody died in 2010 yep and went back 25 years 25 years like the changes would be so drastic because you lose you lose the internet and you lose all of the gadgets that we use to connect to the internet <laughs> it's just it's such a big it's such a big sea change yeah in technology that it would like i think a book set now that did that would be a lot more about how to survive without that technology it would be about i, I think it would be about technology and it would be about 911 probably like yeah yeah that that would be that would be the stand in for the kennedy assassination yeah i, I think it would be 911 it would be you could maybe get wrapped up in the clinton scandals i don't know or you could get wrapped up in like something that really <laughs> happened. Well, like the Iraq War. Well, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I mean, military conflict would be different as well. Or, or like what you could do with the Clinton scandal is you could get on national news and be like, "Hey, guys, let me give you some context for why this blowjob is not a big deal." Or, or don't hire that intern. Like, just show up when Bill Clinton's like playing saxophone on Arsenio Hall and just be like, "Hey, Bill, don't hire that intern." See, no, that would have been like if you make him not hire monica linsky then there's somebody else like you can't you can't keep all the brunette interns away from the white house forever no that's that's probably true um yeah it would be it would be more about technology what is what do you think is intrinsic about this point in time for uh ken grimwood i mean he wrote it was it's basically contemporaneous you know he wrote the book in 86 87 and then sets it in 88 so that he can go back 25 years yeah, I mean the '60s are a big time of cultural change, of course. Yeah, of like, course. I don't, I don't think there was a bigger decade for it. So you, you know, you've got Kennedy, you've got Vietnam, you've got race riots. Like all these things are kind of tangentially touched on, though. You know, trying to stop the Kennedy assassination that first time is the is probably the the biggest engagement with the you know the stuff that happens in that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got, you know, you've got American companies going downhill and Japanese companies coming in. Okay. Um, of course, if you did that book now, it would be about the Japanese companies going out and the Korean companies replacing them. <laughs> or or business going to China for everything. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. too, that too. Um, what is it? Does it deal with yeah, the just, Cold War at all? Not, not really, all right. no. Um, but, like, as far as, as, far as technology and, and stuff goes, like, the difference between 1963 and 1988 is not not so big as it would be between like 2010. Well, no, because everything's still analog for the most part. All the all, yeah, all yeah. Your... and like you get you get into computers and stuff, but it's not. The, they are still tools that are used for specific purposes instead of kind of the do everything boxes that we have now. Yes, yes, yes. Um. um all right. So yeah, it's just it's it would be a really different book if it was if it took place in a different time period. And actually, when Grimwood died in 
2003. He was only 59. He died of a heart attack, interestingly enough. Yep. Um, he was working on a sequel to a replay that I don't think got close enough to being mm. finished to, to be published, which is too bad because I like this book a lot. He seems, I was reading about some of his other books. He seems really interested in kind of human experience expanded beyond a single lifetime. Um, mm. His his first book, Breakthrough, actually sounds kind of fascinating because um, it's this woman who is having epileptic seizures and she volunteers to have electrodes put in her brain to stop them. But then whenever she uses them, she has memories of her life from like 200 years in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she so just slowly and surely starts spending more time there. Uh, and it's just interesting because it, it seems like he is thematically concerned with, uh, I don't know, the our curiosity about our time here that is not just the single span or like yeah, one and time exploring through, the you know exploring the relationship between our actions and their consequences and stuff seems like a seems like a theme too but um yeah we we didn't actually talk about grimwood much um i couldn't find a whole lot yeah, about him yeah like it's not like when you read about dickens or something and this this person has been like the subject of intense study for a couple hundred years um he um yeah he died in 2003 he was 59 um he married once. He had no children. He has drawn comparisons to Stephen King and Ray Bradbury, I think, yeah. for his for his work because I think that critics don't consider it to be like capital L literature because it's about like time travel and stuff. Yes, but yes, yes. He is very well known in like the the sci fi fantasy niche. Well, yeah, this I book. Think. I mean, Replay won at least one award and was nominated for another. It won uh, the 1988 World Fantasy Award there you go. for Best Novel. Which I think that um, the the Stephen King book I mentioned earlier was was nominated for. So, mm-hmm. fitting fitting company. Um, I like the one, there was like a quote about Grimwood that said that he was one of the first, he was obsessed with like technology and films and he was one of the first people who bought a Betamax, which I think yeah, is cool. Yeah, I thought that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> like that's... That's what you get for being an early adopter. Like even back then, is you back the losing horse, yes. and so you just you just in your room of Betamax tapes. Well, yeah. So if you went back twenty five years now, you would be like, had the Walkman. The Walkman had come out by that point, right? And CDs were I, out by I that point. Think so I'd, CDs were starting. I they think, weren't multimedia the CDs. CDs yet, though. No, Not, they weren't, you weren't getting like you weren't getting like Encarta or anything. No. But, you know, you would... I don't know why Encarta is the one piece of software. <laughs> let's let's go back in time and invest in Laserdiscs, Andrew. But, yeah, the, the other thing about technology is, like, even reading the book and him, like, trying to figure out, like, okay, who won the, who won the Kentucky Derby? Who won the World Series? Like, I was like, man, how is he going to figure this out without his phone? Like, how is he, if he can't look it up on Wikipedia, where is he going to get this information from? Well, that's like when... Before I remembered that back in, back in those days, people remembered things. They just like, learned things. Brains. They yeah. just learned and retained information. I was, I was baking yesterday and, like, panicking, following the simple steps to making bread, like, out of a recipe... And I realized that, like, people just know recipes. People learn yeah. them and then can execute yeah. them. 
They don't need to yeah. follow them. I don't know if I could do that. Other than it's like toss this stuff in a pan and cook it till it's hot. Like that's different. Well, I mean, if I if I made something enough times, I would know. I I, I know how to go beyond. I still I don't know. Or it's like I you think know, yeah we do have like a turkey burger recipe that we make not all the time but with you know a couple times a month usually and yeah I still have to look up the the exact portions the ingredients and, yeah like I I remember I remember the really weird name it has on all recipes it's like <laughs> it's called actually delicious turkey burgers <laughs> and if you go to Google and you type you type in like actually like. If you type in actually delicious, it autofills to actually delicious turkey. That's burgers. wonderful. So they yeah, they gave it a really weird Googleable name. That's great. Uh <laughs> well, I think about that information thing. I've I've probably said it on the podcast before. I think about that whenever I see the movie Big. Have you seen that in a while? I haven't seen it in a while, no. So but it's the one the one where the kid gets big. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Well, a kid turns into Tom Hanks overnight. <laughs> Okay. And the big issue for me is that he has to track down that... A big issue. Oh, God. He has to track down that machine, that magic Zoltan machine or whatever, and there's no internet to find it, right? He has to mm-hmm. go into the Bureau of Information or whatever it's called and, like, submit a request to find out where the machine is, which... And the lady's like, all right, that'll be, like, four to six weeks or something. So that's the reason he has to go get a job and like live as a person because he's waiting to find out where the machine is. That wouldn't happen now. He'd go on eBay and it would be like magic Zoltan machine that turns you into Tom Hanks. Yeah, like it's it's it kind of ruins a lot of plot lines. Like I I think that it has been written before that there is not even one episode of Seinfeld that would work if all the characters had cell phones. No, nope, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> like, you, even they, they when they have like a cell phone in one of the latter episodes and they get they you know get all up on a lane for the cell phone walk and talk. Like that's like the last mm-hmm. episode. Literally, because then she's calling that she's calling that person from the plane that they end up almost crashing. I think that that's why they that's why they ended that show is because cell phones. they saw cell phones coming and they, you guys we can't do it. This ruins all of our plots. <laughs> well, even in 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 replay, if there was the internet, there'd be like a message. There'd be a Reddit subreddit about it. Yeah, there'd be like r slash replay r slash from the future. Yeah, you'd be able to go there and find your whole sub-community of all the people who are doing that. It's maybe anonymous is just people from the future. Think about that. I would. Okay, I'll think about it. I don't think I agree with you. <laughs> I think it would be more effective if there were people from the future. That's possible. That's possible. They're just hanging out and trolling people with Guy Fox masks. <laughs> um, is there anything else to say about replay, Andrew? What else have we covered? I mean, we've hit the thematic stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't know. The most interesting questions the book raises are like, are like, what would you do if that happened to you? Like, yeah, what specific choices would you make again? Well, of course, and I don't, I, I am not, uh, in my fifties, right? How old is he when he dies? He's like late thirties, really early forties. Oh, really? When he dies yeah. in the yeah. book? Yeah. He goes back to okay. He's oh, he's late forties. So he, I was doing, I was like doing the eight, math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd be like eighteen in sixty-three. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm not that far into my life yet to know what I would want to do different over those twenty-five years. 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a. It's a. Man, this sounds really ageist. I guess it's it's a thing where. It's kind of a midlife crisis kind of book almost. And not to say, you know, like yeah, not to say that I uh could I wouldn't be moved by such a story. I can get kind of uh well almost not retroact. What's the opposite of retroactively? I don't know. Future actively, I can get yeah. If you, let's go I can get <laughs> I can get wistful for a midlife crisis I haven't had yet, and not wistful, but like well, you really that can stress me out. Things- one of the things the book does really well is you really empathize with his loss because he does go back, but like he will, you know, he gets married a few times. He has a kid in that one timeline. He, you know, he marries someone and gets to know her. And like, like in one replay, he he marries his college sweetheart instead of the woman who would go on to be his wife. And he gets to know her really well and they adopt a couple of kids because he kind of makes an exception in his mind. Like if the kids would be alive and have a chance of being happy anyway, then it's not the same as when he actually made a child. And yeah, then it, yeah. Then it got snuffed out. Um, And then he goes back and he's lost his family and, and the people who he loved like don't they're still maybe around but they don't feel the same way about him but he still has all of his memories and feelings and stuff and so it gets really like that's the emotional crux of the book is not like here's this middle-aged guy and how he and and here's his like escape fantasy or or something yeah yeah it's like here's this human who goes through lots of things and he has lots of opportunities but he also has to deal with like seven or eight lifetimes of of loss well and and toward the end because because pamela is one replay ahead of him um it you know the gap between when he comes back and when she comes back grows to be like months and years oh and does he have to like kind of wait for her to come back yeah he'll like wait for her and, and then she'll come back and they'll be together again but but are there any scenes where he finds her but she hasn't replayed yet yeah okay yeah like the first time they come back and he's like 18 and she's like 15 so her parents are really not happy about this dude yeah and and he finds her and she doesn't you know she hasn't come back yet and and that's i think that's when they first start realizing that they are moving forward a little bit every time they Every time they replay. Yeah, that seems to be, um, that's an interesting uh, thing to deal with in terms of like a per- seeing a person you know and them not being the person you think they are or you are. Mm-hmm. You can't help yourself from assuming that they are still the same person. And that, you know, I was talking to people about that the other day of like seeing someone you haven't seen in five or maybe ten years, someone from high school or something, and it's a little different with Facebook now, but there's still the sense that unless you've gotten some big news about who they are or whatever, you just assume that they're the person that they were because you don't really have time to like construct who the new version right. of that person. Like even though you know that can't possibly be true because you're way different than you were five or ten years ago. Yeah. But um Well and you can't predict I guess I don't know, I guess not not everybody changes that, that much over time. No. But it's more the people that you're less uh, connected to, I think, mm-hmm. that you are the, – the little things kind of like 
there's like an emotional parallax effect where it's like it feels like it feels like it's a bigger change because it's just stuff you didn't know about them you know Mm -hmm. um or that they just don't treat you the same way or they don't treat you the way that you expected them to or whatever i don't know yeah um but yeah, that's that's most most of it about replays. It's just it's a very it's a very story driven book, and so you know most of the conversation we could have about it would just be me giving the synopsis. But um, and it's all from his point not, of view. You do sometimes get into Pamela's head. But okay. Very very rarely, and only for short stretches. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's mostly just from his point of view, and yeah, it's a good it's a good read. It's not very long, and it goes really fast. So. You do, you do get, you do run into some, to some funny technology things. Like he goes to check his Casio watch for something. What? Like in his first replay, and he's like, "Oh no, that piece of technology won't be invented for twenty something years." Oh, weird. Oh no, my Casio watch. Does he? <laughs> do, does it get any? Um, well, no, I guess because he never, he never goes in, goes beyond where he was writing the book so he's not doing any kind of speculative fiction right no no okay. no, no, no yeah the only i mean the closest he gets to like alternate history stuff is that is that one where they change the geopolitical <laughs> makeup of the entire earth <laughs> oh god that seems problematic yeah so I think that's it. So yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, last week we ran a little long, so I guess it's fine for this this week if we run a little short. Um, if you are a time traveler from the future and can help us win the Kentucky Derby, you should email us at overduepod at gmail dot com. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter on twitter dot com slash overduepod and on Facebook at facebook dot com slash overduepod. Now it's not a guarantee. That if you're from the future, Facebook is still a thing. So try just remember what it was like to have to type things out in 140 character bursts, and just try to try to enjoy it. Now, to all my fellow replayers out there, you can find my secret messages to confirm that you are a replayer at OverduePodcast.com. They're buried within our past episodes, and there's a code in the Amazon links that normal people can use to support the show for all the books that we read and there's special codes in the itunes page which you can use if (laughs) you wanted to leave us a review which you could also put codes in future codes uh you can also subscribe (laughs) to our rss feed uh, and there's all there's other stuff there, I guess. Um, thanks to everyone who tuned in to last week's episode. We had a lot of fun with it, even though uh, we are apparently huge prudes who don't know how to talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, but I think some new people might have might have joined just based on the the subject matter, which is kind of yeah, fun. I think we got some. I think we got some new people, and I think we got some people who hadn't listened in a while. Yeah, which is good. So, where'd you go? Where'd you guys where go? Have you been? Have you been out replaying? Tell us how it was. <laughs> I don't. Even, we're not, I don't even know why we're telling replayers about this. Like, of course, if they're from twenty five years in the future, they know about our show. That's true. Like, of course. I mean, we know how the next twenty five years are going to go. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, future future scholars will write about this podcast and. And you can say you got it on the ground floor if you start listening now and you start recommending it to your friends. You liked it before it was cool. You're going to miss the train. Hop on.
It's leaving the station. It's going to Booktown. <laughs> Craig, what are you reading next week? I am reading Extra Innings, the more baseball between the numbers from the folks at Baseball Prospectus. Baseball's coming, Andrew. Baseball, baseball, baseball. Oh, boy, baseball. Your favorite thing. So trying something a little different, reading reading a book that is not fiction and also about a subject that I am indifferent to negative about. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that'll be fun. Join us next week. And in the meantime, everybody, try to be happy. <laughs> Thank you.